0: You're listening to the Redfield Arts Audio Podcast. In Conversation with Lana Wood. This interview between Mark Redfield and Lana Wood took place in February of 2020. Diamonds are forever. I need to please me. They can't stimulate to tease me. They won't leave in the night. I've no fear that they might desert me. Diamonds are forever...
1: Lana, I have to tell you, it's I am so absolutely thrilled that you agreed to do Alone the Life of Poe and that you're going to voice uh, Mariah Clem Poe, Poe's aunt and surrogate mother. I I, I can't wait to be in the studio with you. Thank you.
2: No, thank you. I'm really, really looking forward to it. It's the kind of role that um, is so enjoyable and so exciting to think about as to, you know, how I want to plan um, I, I, I can't tell you how
1: exciting it is for me. I'm delighted. I'm I'm glad. I mean, I I, I did my best in trying to uh, shape a character, a woman. She's very complex. She's she's enabling and she's caring, and yet she's tough as nails and can be very emotional. Um, and I think after Jeffrey Combs, uh, Edgar Poe, you're you're the second largest role in the show, and I, I'm I'm absolutely thrilled. Um, I, I wanted to, uh, <laughs> I wanted to just chat some actor to actor talk today. Sure. Um, of course, we'll touch on some of the highlights, give the Bond fans, we have to talk about Diamonds are Forever, of course. <laughs> of course. But I've been, I've been wondering about something as I've gotten to know you, that you began as a child actor. And uh, I know a few child actors who are now adults. Did the acting bug, these are 101 questions, did the acting bug bite you then on your first major job on The Searchers with John Ford, or is it something that caught up with you later? Was it part of Child's Play, or did it happen later? It was like, this is what I want to do.
2: Um, being on a movie set was all I basically knew. I wasn't even in um my elementary school that often. Mm. They would throw me into Natalie's uh, schoolroom and um, you know, her teacher would more or less hand me a book to read or something. Um <laughs> so it it was all I knew. I did not know anything else. Yeah. Um so therefore, I just sort of did as I was told. I was told this is what you are going to do, and this is what you do, and this is this is it, and stand there and say your lines. Um, and so I was doing something that was just completely ordinary to me, and something that um, was just part of my life. It wasn't until I got into my um, my mid deens that I I began to rebel. Yeah, and um, I. Didn't like the fact that I was never in school. I didn't like being bullied and teased and losing friends uh, like crazy because I'd have them when I was there, and then if I left to do a show and came back, they were gone. Yeah. Um, teenagers are murder. I, I love them all, but doggone. Um, <laughs>
1: well, let me ask you: you're you're, um, you're a kid, and uh, your you're, Natalie was eight years older than you were. Are? Yes, Natalie. And, yeah, and so the searchers. Were there other kids on set? I can't remember. No, you were, you were the wee well, one. There
2: was, there was, um, there was a boy who played my brother, but I was never around him. Yeah, and also it was in the summer, and uh, we were in Monument Valley, so there wasn't a schoolroom. There wasn't, um, you know, there wasn't any kind of that that sort of, of um, guideline. So right. we just sort of, you know, this year go go do this kind of thing.
1: Well, tell me, I I, that I
2: I would hang around on the set from time to time for lack of anything better to do. Sure. And I was I was up. Um, they were filming on some sand dunes, and I was just hanging around. And Ward Bond was bitten by a scorpion. Oh. And the first thing they did is John Ford turned around and said, get the kid off the set. So they <laughs> hustled me off the set.
1: And, uh, well, by the time Bond is bit by a scorpion, it's a little too late. Uh,
2: well, nah, you never know.
1: From the thrilling pages of life rides a man you must fear and respect. A man whose unconquerable will and boundless determination carved a lusty, rough, and boisterous slice of history called The Searchers. It's John Wayne as Ethan Edwards who had a rare kind of courage. The courage that simply keeps on and on, far beyond all reasonable endurance, never thinking of himself as martyred, never thinking of himself as brave. So we'll find him in the end, I promise you. We'll find him. Here is a story of a man, hard and relentless. Tender and passionate, of people who dared to challenge a hostile land. Here is drama of great love and aching loneliness.
0: I found him. I found Lucy.
1: What you saw was a buck wearing Lucy's dress. I found Lucy back in the canyon.
0: What was she? What do you want me to do, draw you a picture? Spell it out?
1: Don't ever ask me. Long as you live, don't ever ask me more. Tell me about John Wayne and uh, Jeffrey Hunter. Tell me about your experience as a child with them, what you you remember.
2: Um, I spent more time speaking to them than I did my mom, who was traveling (laughs) there with me. Uh Uh, Because I was on the set, and Jeffrey Hunter was so lovely to me. He never talked down. He would even you know, crouch down um, on the ground to speak with me, to ask me, you know, if there was some way he could help me with lines. was I having any problems, was there, you know, anything I could do, was just a really concern and kindness, just an adorable, adorable man. And, you know, at the age of eight, just looking at that face with those blue eyes, I was lost for words.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, everything's fine, yes. Um, John Wayne used to come up to me every morning that I was on the set and, and give me a little elbow in the ribs and, pull out a, a tin of Alan Berry's Black Currant Pastilles and um, <laughs> he would open open them up flip open the, the little tin and tell me to take one and take two and take a couple more and I would stick them in my pockets and he would smile and he would you know ruffle me on the head or something and then he was gone but he was such a presence on the set that uh, it sort of He's the one who made all the wheels, all the cogs and wheels slip into place and get rolling. And he was just—I uh, remember feeling him as very strong presence. That without him, there, there wasn't a movie. Well, so John Ford hated me. John Ford hated kids, and he hated me. Oh no! <laughs> yeah.
1: Was there was was he just um, cool and dismissive, or did you actually, other than get get the kid off the set, was he there anything? Only
2: he... spoke directly to me one time.
1: Oh, and wow. that's
2: when we were filming uh, the the shot where I run up to my grandmother's grave. Yeah, and I'm standing there holding my doll, and uh, the dog runs after me, Chris. Yeah, and uh, I, you know did what i i thought was right and he cut the scene and he said are you able to bend at the ways <laughs> and i looked at him and <laughs> nodded my head and he said then do it and that was all he ever said to me
1: all right i'm going to i'm i'm going to pause now and make a note to myself to be a better <laughs> director i'm going to John, John Ford, can you bend at the waist? Can you bend at the waist? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I, I don't know the eight. I mean, John Wayne, a complete professional, a wonderful producer. I mean. Uh, not just uh, I'm imagining the presence that you felt as an eight-year-old, but I have great respect for Wayne as a producer and making the films and producing the films that he did. I don't know the age differences, but do you remember if, um, well, you said there were no other kids. I was curious if, like, Michael Wayne or Patrick Wayne were ever on set for well, the Well, Patrick was in the movie. So but you, so you were able, to, so you so saw Patrick him. Was,
2: Patrick was there. Yeah. Uh, Natalie had a big crush on him. Of course, at, sure. Uh, They they would hang out together Um, there was no place to go so you just sort of you're in the middle of a desert there was the Goulding's trading post and Natalie and my mom and I department above Goulding's trading post and I don't know where the heck anyone else was they (laughs) they built um, they built a place for us to all have our meals Uh and we got stuck in in that sort of um, I don't know what heck you'd call it, dining room, very, very large dining room. But uh, we got stuck in there for many hours due to a sandstorm. We couldn't leave the building. Oh, yeah. Um, It was very warm, and and I remember being scared. I could hear the Indians um, chanting in the evening, ah. and it scared me. I'd never heard anything like
1: that. Right, but, well, it's hot in the middle of the summer yeah, and yeah. Uh, all of that, and... uh well, at least they, at least the, the the actors were very warm and professional to you. And I, and oh,
2: absolutely! I saw Pat Wayne not too long ago, and it was so much fun to see him. I'll send you a photo of us. Oh, we snapped a, a photo just last month of the two of us.
1: Oh, that's wonderful! That's absolutely wonderful. Um, so, but the acting bug really doesn't bite you. It's just something uh. that you do because it's the world you know. Um, Yeah,
2: it was just sort of, uh, you know, the same as getting up and brushing your teeth and, uh, you know, reading a book or watching a film or making a film. It was all just, it was... It was not, uh, I didn't really give it any thought. I just did it because I was told to do it. So I didn't want to anymore. I seriously I used to walk to school, to the middle school and instead of going in I walked into a little payphone booth and called my sister Natalie in tears Mm. and said, you know my mom had told me when I was leaving that I had to go on an interview for a movie I don't want to go, I don't want to do it, I want to in school I wanted and she said just stay there and she would pick me up so you know she she said to RJ her husband at the time and um, he picked me up and took me back from the valley to their home in Beverly Hills mm-hmm. and I stayed with them for um, oh, a couple of weeks or so and um, my mom finally relaxed and said she would not. She would not push me and come back home. So I came home and finished my school and didn't get into too much trouble and
0: <laughs> had
2: boyfriends and went to football games and sneaked cigarettes in the ladies' bathroom and did all those really important things that you just gotta do.
1: Well you gotta you gotta have some real life and the teenage <laughs> years are or- Yeah. Those are tough years. You're you're still forming and you you wanna but I I swear you're probably the only actor or the only girl I know that wanted to go to school and not go do the school (laughs) play or go do a film or something. I guess. I guess. I
2: don't know. I've always been a bit odd, I suppose.
1: (laughs) But so so when did it because then you're going into, you know, in your teen years, you you're still doing episodic television. Then you get a a, a great part in a TV show. Um, what was Well, the- I, I actually went
2: to work um, at the age of 18. I went to work um, at a clothing store uh-huh. in Beverly Hills called Jack's. Jack's. And it's while I was working there that Neil McQueen, Steve McQueen's wife, who I knew, came in and... Abandoned to know what the heck i was doing there and i told her i was selling clothes that she wanted me um but she said that a friend of hers leo penn wanted to find an actress who could look 14 but had to be over the age of 18 because of of uh shooting schedules and you're uh. not allowed to work for many hours if you were under the age of 18 but if you are 18
1: you can work any
2: yeah who can work as long as they need you. So um, I, I, you know, I hemmed and hawed and carried on and finally ended up going as she really insisted and said she was making the appointment and on and on and on. So I went out and I spoke with him and I read for the role and I got it. Mm. And um, I was sort of, well, you know, yeah, doing this again. And uh, the first day shooting, I was walking back on the studio lot to my car to go home. And all of a sudden it hit me is this is what I love. I did. It was a wonderful day. I felt like I had done something. I had
1: um, that you had been
2: able to express myself. I'd been able to I felt very, very fulfilled and sort of. At ease. I went, no, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. But then it was my choice. It wasn't somebody else's choice. It yeah. was my choice. And that's what I wanted.
1: Yeah. And what was the name of the show? It was before Peyton Place. It was. Um,
2: oh, yeah. It was. Um, the it, long- it was Dr. Kildare with Richard Chamberlain.
1: Right, right. And then you're just uh, pretty much working as an 18 year old on, working steadily. Um, yeah, yeah. What's the really first? What's the first regular part in a, in an ongoing ser- Ongoing part in the series you got? Well, that that would
2: have been uh, the Long Hot Summer. Long Hot Summer, right? From the uh, the film with Paul Newman and Lee Remick. Yeah, is, uh, they were turning it into a series. Um, they were filming the pilot and looking to cast. They were looking for an actress to play the Lee Remick role to play Eula Harker and there again i i auditioned for it i got the role and um the pilot sold we went to series and they signed me fox studios signed me to a seven-year contract
0: howdy come in what's
2: I've changed my mind is that all right with you but
0: forget it now wait a minute let's review the bidding here are you mad because i carried her hamper out to the car
2: Well, maybe i just don't like to see a grown-up young man simpering and scraping and jumping through hoops like a puppy dog
0: i asked you how you found me you never answered well 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 you <laughs> know they're all the So
2: that was sort of, you know, that that was the big push. That was the constant, everyday working. And then when the show was canceled due to not enough viewers, then um, Fox said, you know, here here's a character on a show we're doing called Peyton Place. You're going to be starting this on Monday. And I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, I zipped over and started doing Peyton Place and did that for years. So it was, it was terrific. Continuing story of Peyton Place,
0: <laughs> starring Dorothy Malone as Constance Mackenzie, Warner Anderson as Matthew Swain, Ed Nelson as Michael Rossi, and Mia Farrow as Allison McKenzie. Hey! Hello. You know something? I've finally got your a number. Good, good. You're Rita's brother-in-law. Uh, you win the Cupid doll. I used to know Rita. Is that a fact? Do you want to dance? Uh, well, I have to get some uh, some food to take back to the table. Okay, that settles now. How about later? You have a lot of drive, don't you? After you're finished with the food, like swimming. Like, like swimming? I, I don't follow. Like swimming, you wait a few minutes after you eat before you jump in again.
2: Oh,
0: yeah. Well, that uh, that uh, does stand to reason. Well, shall we say five minutes? I'll keep an eye on your table. Well, let's, let's not pin it down. Maybe 20 minutes or a half hour, huh? Play it by ear. You uh go with her. Right. She digs you. Yeah, she digs me. Me
1: too. And Peyton Place was enormously popular, and Uh uh, everybody tuned in. For listeners who don't know, Peyton Place began as a novel, and then uh, Hollywood turned it into a motion picture. When the television series. Came uh, Hollywood does what it did a lot back then. They throw out the book, they throw out the 1940s time period, and they made it contemporary. And um, something that we don't really have: network television or or, or cable. Um, the series like Batman ran twice a week, and yeah, and, and that, then three times a week. And then three times a week, where you were you, by the time you come and you're at the. Peak of the show's popularity when when your yeah. Sandy Weber comes in, was that yep. uh, uh, was that uh, when it was doing three times? You were working a lot. You were had to shoot a lot then. It must be long hours. I did, I yeah. did,
2: I did. But it was good. I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. The, the people were fun, and it was great. It really was. Launched a so, lot of. Yeah, we went. We went from black and white, where there's certain kind of makeup they have to put on you. Yeah. To color. And all the makeup was changed, so you had to get used to all that again.
1: And um, oh, it, was, it was great. I loved it. What do you remember working with? It launched so many great careers. There were old-timers on there that television audiences knew, actors like um, Dorothy Malone and George McCready, but then it's launching Ryan O'Neill and Mia Farrow, and you're yep. getting more visibility. What do you yeah. remember about some of your co-stars?
2: Um... Well, I, I know we were, you know, we were very young, and, and people were sort of, oh, I don't know, young and silly. I don't know how to put it, how to be. Well, nice
1: I, I, remember, I remember. I remember you. That you? When, I,
2: when I started, um, Barbara Parkins would not speak to me. She was on the show, and she wouldn't speak to me. So I would make a point of every morning uh, when she would come in to get her hair and makeup, or I would come in. Whichever one of us came in first, I would make a point of speaking more to her. Mm-hmm. Hi, Barbara. What are you doing? Did you have a good weekend? What did you do last night? <laughs> I went to the such and such event, and, and then oh, you know what? I got this dress, all right? and I would talk to her incessantly because I knew she wouldn't answer me, and I was trying to drive her crazy, and I did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe John Ford had slipped her a note or something. Yeah, right. watch exactly. out! Watch out for that line of wood, talk kid. To her. Yeah. <laughs> I knew her when he said. Yeah, me night.
2: and I became friends. Um, Chris Connolly, um, mm. I adored wonderful, wonderful person. Uh, Ed Nelson loved Ed.
1: You know, I I got so to many kn- people. Ugh. I got to know Ed a little bit toward the end of his life, and and he and his wife put me on their Christmas card list, and oh. that's the only correspondence correspondence we had for. Maybe about three years was a Christmas card. It was. He was so oh. sweet. He was so sweet. Uh, uh, I
2: loved him. I yeah. just, I just loved him. He's wonderful guy. It, those, those, all those people were a lot nicer than me and Ryan and <laughs> Chris didn't get into it so much. But everybody else was sort of <laughs> um, rambunctious.
1: Rambunctious, wild oats. Yeah, the, yeah. You're, you're. The world is your oyster, and you, you so. <laughs> Peyton Place is good for everybody. Movie careers get launched, and before we, because we'll we'll talk for a few minutes, of course, about Dinosaur sure. Forever. But you you embark in this period in a oh my God, I've I've lost count of the shows that I've seen you in. One of my favorite TV shows, just me personally, is the Wild Wild West. And um,
2: yeah, me too.
1: Yeah, you, you had a couple of runs on the Wild Wild West. Tell me about Robert Conrad and. Uh, Well,
2: Robert Conrad, I knew since I was a child, because Natalie was under contract to Warner Brothers.
0: So, at
2: your school, I would go to the studio uh, to visit her and, and go hang around all the other sets, 77 Sunset Strip, and... Uh, what else was shooting there, budget shows, and, and as soon as I would go on the set where Bob Conrad was, of course, he would make sure that, you know, my friends all got little photos and autographs and things because he knew the family, he knew Natalie. Yeah. And um, he was just a great guy. So I'd known him since I was a kid, and uh, so I was I was delighted to, you know, to start working with him on Wild Wild West. He was, he was a little braver than I was, though, and used to, you know, Put me up on a horse that we had to charge up or down a hill on, which I was not crazy about. Um, but he was fearless, just absolutely fearless, and just did everything that he could do.
1: Oh, famous for that. There's a, I think, the big, I think, sprains, a busted rib. There's a famous uh, moment, if I remember reading about uh, Conrad, uh, where he leapt off a balcony onto a sky pair of men and missed them or something and um but he kept kept working and kept doing his own stunts F- fabulous guy i
0: had such a lovely dream tell me all about it and i dreamed that you and i
2: you you and your pressure points while o'reilly gets through with O'Reilly. you o'reilly
1: you're always throwing o'reilly up at me what uncommon mood of fate ever brought you two together anyway
0: a common goal mr west and that being To remove the stamp of tyranny from the brow of the masses.
1: Your heart bleeds for the downtrodden. Yes. And the sufferers. Yes. Like the men, women, and children at Fort Savage. The
0: Indians are experts at creating suffering. You're a fraud, Dixon. Beautiful. But you're a fraud.
1: I'm curious about, um, you know, you're one of those actors who... You know, acting is one of those things that... uh, everyone says is easy to do you know everybody acts in life. They, they, you're, you're one way to your you're one way to your grandkids and another way to the pharmacist and you're one way to the gas station attendant and another way to the director on the set. But you know to do it is really not that easy. It does take a skill set. The technical stuff you can learn in a very short period of time, hitting your marks. Sure learning about camera and how you're being framed and how to use that. Was yes. was there, when you were under contract like a generation before, was there any formal acting training, or were you really no. learning nothing. in the arena as you were working? Yep,
2: there was absolutely nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, in the things that I've seen you in from that period, late 60s, early 70s, you're absolutely marvelous. And there's a Thank wonderful... You. You, you are more than welcome and there's this wonderful quality that a generation of actors have that are brought up and they they sharpen their skills by doing by working every week in television there's a clarity there's a you know the scripts in episodic TV are very often very, especially the action adventure stuff they're they're very very simple the 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 scenes are on the surface there's very little what we might call subtext often. Um, one of my favorite. It wasn't
2: true with Peyton Place, though. No, Peyton well, Place Peyton- was a wonderfully faceted show. The characters were. Wonderful, beautifully written show.
1: Beautifully much, written. much more depth because it's character driven. Where Wild yeah. Wild West or Mission Impossible, you've you've got to make plot points. You know, really nonsense. <laughs> and uh, so uh, somehow you got to sneak the acting in there. And I, oh, I got. And I have to tell you, uh, you you also continue to score just delicious character names. Of course, you played Plenio Tool in the James Bond thing, but right. you're also. <laughs> you're also vixen O'Shaughnessy I wish I had created that name it's one of the <laughs> one of the episodes you did uh, the Wild Wild West there's there's a thing I've been meaning to ask you because there's uh there's a Bond fan James Bond fans there's a little bit of oversimplification of history that uh, Albert Albert R Broccoli saw your layout in Playboy in 1970 or something. And uh, said, "Get me like he's done with other bond girls get me that girl for diamonds are forever <laughs> but it was it was better than that that's not really how it happened was it yeah I, those
2: those are all very romantic notions and, and i I think they read well in uh, in interviews and in, in memoirs but uh, no it didn't really happen that way my 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 boyfriend at the time that I'd been with for four years. Um, very successful man in the business, and really thought I should do Playboy. Do not not be a playmate, but do the celebrity uh, shoots that they do. Yeah, it'll um,
1: it'll boost me, it'll boost your yeah, career,
2: right? Right. Talked me into it, and um, when they started looking to cast Diamonds Are Forever, um, actually my. Old friend Tom Mankiewicz, who wrote it, wrote the screenplay. Um, called me and said, "I really want you to do this, and I want you know, I want you to come out and meet with Kevin Broccoli, Guy Hamilton, and you would be perfect for this." And I was delighted. He said, "Look tall," which was really a wonderful thing to say to a five foot three person. <laughs> but uh, I tried to look tall and uh, went in and had a had a lovely meeting. And um, heard very shortly after that that they 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 wanted me in the film, and I was I was delighted. I was a big Ian Fleming fan, a ah. big Tom and fan, and uh, I'm I'm sure that Tom showed Cubby and Guy my my photos in in Playboy, but it it didn't quite go that way.
1: <laughs> but it is a good story, and I'll bet you it didn't hurt the film in in reverse. Yeah, advertising
2: sure i'm sure it didn't they were i i loved the photos i thought they were absolutely beautiful though i tried to back out from the entire issue after i had uh posed for the pictures so even though the, as, as i say i uh, i was introduced to the photographer beforehand it was mario Casilli, who only did celebrities yeah. um wonderfully talented you know very very professional kind kind guy um, who made sure that I was always comfortable and that, you know, nothing was exposed that that shouldn't be. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they were tasteful pictures back then. They were just pretty. Um, I think we've gotten a little carried away with all that, but whatever. Oh,
1: it's a different time I'm now. I'm showing my age. I'm showing my <laughs> age. <laughs> but, um, and, and they are wonderful. It's a wonderful pictorial, and, and to prove... That I read or have read Playboy for the articles. Uh, that uh, spread, that pictorial also features your writing, some poetry. How did that happen? Are you still writing, um, by the way? Do you still write? That that happened simply because I tried to get them to to
2: kill the the uh, the issue to kill my part in the issue.
1: When you and had I just yeah. all of
2: a sudden got very scared and thought what on earth have I done this isn't what Uh, I want for my career I don't want to be thought of as oh there's just another sexy starlet or whatever that is not what I wanted I want to be thought of as an intelligent actress and be able to do all kinds of roles and I thought I really buried myself so I tracked down Hugh Hefner's home phone number oh wow I called him at home and um and he was very, he was very clever, and he was very considerate in his dealings with me. He had me on the phone for a very, very long time, and I listened to my objections and listened to you know what I thought was positive about it, and was very concerned, and you know really wanted to use the photos, um, and finally said. You know, and and what other hobbies do you have? What do you do this? What do you do? And we got it by writing, and he said, "Well, what if I print uh, some of your stuff? What if yeah. I print it and run it along with the photos? Yeah, would you feel better then?" And I finally said, "Yes, okay, I would feel better then." So that's that's what he did. Um, he was a he was a terrific guy. He really was.
1: So it was very very genuine. That's great. And yeah. Yeah. and back to Mankiewicz for a second and uh the bond team they yeah. they truly th- throughout you know uh, and and with Connery coming back but they've always functioned that family uh, when when Saltzman was a al- when they were alive and broccoli and Saltzman were partners everyone contributed it seemed and um I think that's a wonderful way because a, a, a writer Mankiewicz knowing then that the director and, 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 and Broccoli and Saltzman say, okay, let's go with Lana Wood, then he's going to be able to shape the the character of Plenty around you a little bit, and that's kind of right. nice. I'm sad that, um, and I didn't learn this until years ago, but um, there are there's always been this little weird mystery about Plenty O'Toole. How does she end up at <laughs> Tiffany's, and why is she dead? What did she do? And then I find out...
2: Lost his mind. <laughs> he lost his scissors and found the clippers, and I don't know. And, and, and I, they sent me on a world tour for that film, and it wasn't until I came home that I saw they'd cut out half or more of my part. And I was just, I so disappointed. Oh,
1: jeez! I, I should I, point I made out.
2: A I made the mistake of reaching down for my popcorn in the theater. And when I sat up, I was dead. And I was texting there going, she's dead. I'm dead already.
0: You know, how did this
2: happen? And and so, I should, you know, I should,
1: yeah, I should explain for the listeners that, because everyone, all of you are Bond fans who are listening and, and, um, you you know that Bond in Vegas meets Plenty O'Toole at the crap table, and... Crap boxcar, the loser! Well, that's it, pussycat. Shot the whole was. What do you say? Back to my place?
0: You're a nice person, Maxie. Really, you are. Why don't you go and take a nap, and I'll see you next year. May I have $5,000? No, make it $10,000. $2,000 limit with some problem? Exactly. I want a $10,000 credit with a $2,000 limit. My name is Franks. Peter Franks. Mr. Franks' credit's good. Good luck to you,
1: Mr. Franks. Thank you. I'll have two stacks now. The gentleman's
0: 4000 does. Thank you. Hi, I'm Plenty. But of course you are. Plenty or too named after your father perhaps would you like some help on the craps i mean it's very kind of you coming out coming out sure ladies are
1: lucky um they go back to bond's room and but prior to that they had had a small there's two scenes that are uh, deleted that were shot and put together one is they have a a, a short dinner together Um, where they are still strangers in the night, but come a little bit closer. And everybody remembers, the. it's in the trailer, where Plenty gets thrown out of the hotel window and hits the pool. I didn't know there was a pool down there. And and, uh, what happens in the film is, is that Plenty's just a good old-fashioned American girl. She sneaks back up, soaking wet, into Bond's room and is quite shocked the expression on your face is priceless in the deleted scene where she realizes bonds in bed with this strange woman who's tiffany case and um instead of barging in and making a scene because well it would have been a one night stand anyway she goes into tiffany's purse and finds out what
2: you don't
0: know that
2: it's in this
1: deleted scene it's in the
2: how do you know it would have been a one night stand
1: well i don't know that i I I don't know that It could have been, it could have been, it could have been, been, <laughs> been the second Mrs. James Bond. I'm messing you. could have been the second Mrs. it could have spun off into a whole other franchise, Plenty you of Tool. You have
2: no idea, it's quite possible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I keep saying sneaks back into James Bond room. We know that, but she thinks it's a guy named Peter Franks. Yes, yes. Yeah, which is it's about here. as which is about as complicated as diamonds or forever gets. But uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> but I love it, and I love you in it. You're marvelous in it. You're very sweet, very sweet. And it is one yeah. of the highlights. It's a very funny scene when the.
2: I I worried about the character in general. I thought, oh, because they said, oh well, you know, she's a shill. She's a hooker with a heart of gold. And I said, yeah, that's not who you bring home to mom. That's not somebody I want to portray. That's too... I I, uh, I trapped Guy Hamilton before we started shooting, and I went on and on, as I'm prone to doing, um, about what I did not want, who I didn't want Plenty to be. Yeah. I said I wanted her to be, you know, very simple. She's, you know, she's not the, the brightest thing in the world, but she's what she's doing, she does for a living. She puts on a pretty dress, and she goes and you know hangs at the casino and and makes money and you know occasionally if she likes somebody she has uh you know intimacies um but she's just she's working the same as anybody that's all she is but she's just she's you know, a sweet, very simple girl And I went on, and he said Anything you want to do with her Is just fine So the first thing I did, which you may not have noticed Was I Want to speak in a lower register Yeah. I thought that would make her Far too it would, put, it would put her on a different level So I just raised my voice And um, spoke in a, in a simpler fashion And worried to pieces that I had made the wrong decision, but I made the decision and had to stick with it.
1: And, you know, the, the I don't know how to phrase this, but I don't want this to come across wrong. E- even, well, I'm talking about the Bond films, and I yeah, think you, yeah. I think, and I think in hindsight, you made the right choice, because she comes across as being incri- yeah, that's, she's a grifter, that's what she's doing, she's going fishing, and pre- but she comes across as extremely innocent. Yes, in, in a strange yes. way and very likable and Good. and and had the had the pit bits not been taken out where we yes. got to know her a little bit better well the fact that she ends up dead is just kind of where does this come from and you were yeah. filling in the blanks that did she stumble into this you're leaving the audience to do too much work but then the action's going so swiftly at that right, point on right. Yeah. Um, you toured with it. I have to ask this question. Let's pretend Bond films have never heard your answer. They always, they always yeah. want to know what was it like working with Sean Connery. And I think you had mentioned to me in the past that you had you knew Sean before the film. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes, we were. Yeah, we were um, acquaintances. Um, I had had dinner up at his. Um, his home a couple of times with uh with the, the gentleman that i was i was seeing they were best friends ah. and um so yeah i knew him and diane and, and um it was very comfortable i was delighted i went yay i've got one friend when i start this film and it'll be <laughs> it'll be sean so i was very happy to see him
1: good and i and i guess as all reports he's Prepared. He's professional. He's
0: light-hearted. Oh he's my goodness. great to That work goes
2: with. without saying. No, yeah. Sean. Yeah, no, Sean. Sean is really a remarkable actor. Yes. Um, honest, he really is, and I think that he did not get enough credit in the Bond films because of the way the Bond films are structured. Yeah. But um, he's a fine actor, and I, I adore watching him in, in
1: other films. Love it. Love him. And it's funny, because the, the Bond fans, they 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 have their favorites. And um, even among them, Connery and uh, the late Roger Moore, you know, talk about how Moore's Bond was so much lighthearted. But I, yeah. s- I swear to God, after From Russia With Love... Connery was playing it for comedy he just played the comedy so low-key and what right. they what they did with with Moore, what they did with Roger was basically bring that comedy into the writing where yeah. where what Roger was doing I mean where 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 Sean Connery was doing was what actually much more subversive mm-hmm. you know taking the straight lines but they 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 it, it's the writers and um I I'm there's a serendipity there uh, in that whole period with, um, you know, the Playboy uh, layout and uh, Bond at 71 in the early 70s. Now you're off to the races with other films and you're doing all kinds of 70s. Um, what, what are some of the best memories? Oops. What are some of the uh, best memories of some of the uh, television you was, were doing in the 70s?
2: You know, the thing that was so wonderful about doing uh, guest spots on, on episodic TV is that you had a new family to meet all the time. Uh. So it was like Peyton Place was your family. We got to know each other too well. Um, but doing episodic, you, you are introduced to a whole entirely new family and uh, it's, it's wonderful fun. I, I, I enjoyed every single show I worked on. Every movie of the week, mm. every show, every... I, I've i got nothing negative to say about any of them. Um, I love the felony squad that I did with, with Richard Dreyfuss. Um It was called The Last Man on Earth. And uh, I was duh, the bad girl that had stolen the money and was holed up in a a hotel, and using Richard Dreyfus as a go-between. He was working at the hotel, Mm -hmm. and at the end, he's he's shot, and he's lying on the ground outside. I'm in handcuffs, and he's dying, and and the police say to me, go over there and say something to him. He's going to die. So I go over and lean over him, and I say, I wouldn't have gone with you if you were the last man on earth. (laughs)
1: <laughs> she
2: was a pretty bad character
1: yeah good but a pretty yeah, bad a good daddy. so
2: much fun so much fun to do those um, you know I, I love working Bobby Conrad I, I love working Richard Griffiths.
0: um Ben Gazzara I adored working with Ben Gazzara mm. um,
2: so many people I mean I've had wonderful uh, people play my dad. I've had my dad's been Walter Mathau and, and uh, Jack Lemon was my dad. And I just, you know, all of these fantastic actors, Charlton
1: been. You told me um, a story. Let me, uh, uh, great actors, great dance partners on screen. Let me, you told me a story once about Walter Mathau. I think, I think you were being a real life bad girl. In the commissary? I, uh, just, Is, do it, I have that right? What's that story?
2: Oh, uh, geez. I was, uh, I was given a cap gun.
1: A cap gun. Um, a, a toy gun. A, a toy gun, okay.
2: A toy, yeah, a
0: cap gun. <laughs> um,
2: because me and the group of people used to play with the rubber tip dart guns. Uh, uh-huh. We had a game that we would play. And so I was given this cap gun. Which we couldn't use because it was pointless because you didn't know if you had hit everybody, and so therefore you would (laughs) never win. But it was great looking, it looked very authentic and everything. I just thought it was really super. It's like, wow, look at this. And this is I I had it in my purse. uh, And this is about the
1: time of Peyton Place working at the studio? During
2: Peyton Place. Okay,
1: okay, okay.
2: And Mia Farrow and I had gone in to have lunch at the commissary and we always ate in this little enclave where people who were working had to get in and out rather rapidly yeah and um i was showing her the gun and i i pulled the trigger and there was a cap left in it i didn't know it <laughs> but that's famous last words you hear that all the time with real bullets so i yeah. you know i'm not uh, not proud of myself not uh, thrilled with the story i it was very bad of me but i I seriously did not know it was a different time and place um, which shouldn't be an excuse but it is Um, and the next thing I knew after the the gun went off was a large figure was tapping me on the shoulder behind me Mm -hmm. and said and I heard a voice saying young lady. I had recently had a heart attack and you could have given me another one and you better and he went on and on and I was absolutely mortified when he walked away I turned around to see who it was and it was Walter Matthau I'm like oh no and he played my dad in a, in a Hallmark Hall of Fame and I was so grateful he didn't recognize me or put two and two together so I, I, I never wanted to run into him again I just felt horrible Shut well, forward.
1: you know, Walter, rest his soul. It should be happy yeah. that you have not fired a cap gun since. So no, I have not. I uh, good on you for I that.
2: I didn't
1: give another heart attack. So <laughs> that was good. <laughs> good. Um, the Hollywood sure has changed. I mean, in in that period where you're working in episodic and guest starring and doing guest spots and things, you could almost make a living. And if you got a series, you're golden. <laughs> <laughs> you're Buddy. But now, <laughs> but isn't it true? All my friends are telling me that they're. I mean, I have a friend who has an audition happening now, and uh, who's a who's a a working character actor, and it gets thinner and thinner. I think there's also ageism. I think that there's also a problem. There seems there to be. Has been though. There.
2: Are you know,
1: nothing. you're right.
2: Natalie used to worry about. It. She was worried sick about it. You know. Yeah. Um, it always has been am I going to be pretty enough am I going to be thin enough and young enough to get these roles Um,
1: and I I I guess it doesn't help yeah I guess it doesn't help that the production's been leaving town for the last 20-30 years as well Right. up and through the early 80s there were still enough serials and TV shows and movies shot in Mm -hmm. LA but now they're shot all over the country and in Canada and Around yeah. the world. Um, that,
2: started, that started back a, a time because I remember when I was working as director of development for uh, TV movies over at Universal, I would specifically look for things that we could either shoot uh, on in, in existing areas. We did not have to build sets because that was a cost. Sure. Or things that could be filmed in Canada.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And that and
0: Where when was there we were- that years ago.
1: Right, yeah that and uh, that brings us to the period of your career that um, you you basically stopped acting. I don't want to use the word retired, although that might be the the polite PR word to use, but you moved you exciting I'm I'm going here gently. you moved excitingly into producing like you just yes. mentioned you yes. were you were producing in television uh, yes. television and, and television movies. What happened there?
2: Um, um, if
1: you don't mind my, going I, there.
2: I moved along. I moved from Universal to Warner's. I had some really nice films that did beautifully as far as um, as viewers, and and the, uh, it was terrific. Um, I made some nice friends at Universal, but I had, you know, you you move along. Yeah. Um, bigger and better. So I went to Warner's, and then I was offered a position at Hemdale um, that was even better than what I had at Warner's, where I was working on uh, the the uh, Mike Mike Hammer, Murder Me, Murder You with Stacy Keach. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, I finished that and moved along. Um. But then I found that my offer at Hemdale had been rescinded and I really had no place to go. So I started calling people, making contacts, finding out who was shooting what, where, you know, what I had, um, I had optioned a a piece that I wanted very badly to do. And, um, I discovered, I, I got a call from a very lovely, very high powered agent, from icm who used to represent me and he said "Lana, i'm only calling and telling you this because i like you i think you're a good person um he said you've been blacklisted you're not gonna be able to get work
1: oh wow
2: so that was and i couldn't figure out why nothing was was you know falling into place i had i had done i worked on so many movies of the week and a couple of musical specials and and the series, you know, it started out as a pilot and was picked up by the network for a series um, and, you know, had all the, uh, I didn't have any problems with anybody or, uh, and I couldn't get work. So,
1: I don't know how to, I don't know how to, I don't know how to ask this gently. Do you know why? Did you ever find out why? Do you ever? A- um,
2: yeah, you yeah, know, well, the maybe, just considered me uh, a threat, and...
1: Um, so it was a power play, basically. It was just eliminating competition. Well,
2: whatever. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. That's something that I think about to this day, is how did, how did all that start? I did have a friend of mine who said, you know, it's quite possible that he never liked you, and this was a good way to get you out of his life. I said, yeah, it's quite possible, so...
1: Whatever, there is a side or sides to this business in general that are just um, well. That's human life. I think that's yeah. Yeah. humans treating people badly. But let's let's well. end. Let's let's chat and uh-huh. on some on a good note. Let's let's okay yes please because we have lots to do ahead of us. And um, I'm glad that the compulsion that the acting bug is still with you. And I'm I'm glad that you've still been acting. Um, you've been doing some independent.
2: So wonderful now. Now, I don't really have to worry about, you know, uh, and how I look. All I have to worry about is my acting. Yeah. So, it's absolute bliss. I love it. <laughs> I cannot tell you how much I love it.
1: And when we, you know, we're doing this audio drama, Alone the Life of Poe, I mean... Whatever it makes you comfortable. If you want to come to the studio in your pajamas, you don't have to do any hair and makeup. It's <laughs> just us being good actors. Um, right, and right. that's one of the things I absolutely love about doing audio drama and I can't wait to do that with you. But you've been doing some acting in some independent films? Yes. We yes. you did one a wet-
2: lot actually. It's been
1: great. And and then you've got some stuff coming up that you're that you're trying to uh, uh, you suddenly your dance cards getting full. Uh, I know. Isn't that peculiar? I think it's a good thing.
2: I think it's a wonderful thing. I think <laughs> it's a wonderful thing and certainly a blessing. It really is. It's a blessing.
1: And and a year or two ago you did a picture uh, called uh, Western, uh, called Bill Tillman and the Outlaws, and. Uh, little known trivia: I was in, and that was written and directed. Well, it wasn't written by; it was directed by a guy named Wayne Shipley. Yes. And a little piece of trivia: I was in Wayne's first western called One-Eyed Horse. I, I was the I was the good baddie. Uh, <laughs> I got to send you a copy of the DVD and, uh, yeah, and, and please do. poster please do. with my my scowling black. Fa- my scarred uh-huh. face and my black hat and uh, but I but I got to ride a horse and shoot guns I, well, I love Megan westerns
2: oh were, actors are were all just children at heart
1: absolutely absolutely you know, <laughs> we're all
0: just
2: children at
1: heart Lana thank you so much i I, I love this and I hope that uh, your your fans got something out of this and the I know bond fans will be tuning in and again, thank you for um, thank you for agreeing to uh, be in alone the life of Poe. I want to do more stuff with you after we get that in the can. Terrific, um, good. Uh, will we'll do some more audio work together. That
2: um, would be wonderful. I thank you, and I will see you soon.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast in conversation with Lana Wood. Recorded February 2020. Original content copyright the Mark Redfield Company. Subscribe to our podcasts and never miss a show. I'm afraid you've caught me with more of my hands up. Hey, what the hell is this?
2: A pervert's convention or something? Hey, listen, you can't do this to me. Stop that. I've got friends in this town.
0: Exceptionally fine shot. I didn't know it was a pool down there.